The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Good evening, Bulls fans. I'm honored to be here as we celebrate the inaugural class of the Bulls Ring of Honor. It's very cool. Yeah. And I think that they did basically everything that they could. And clearly they put a ton of planning into it. It's just going to be weird. Without Mike, without Scotty. And Dennis. And the videos will get you in all of the feels. It would be impossible not to. The, the uh-huh. night will be dripping with nostalgia. Greek. Nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. And then they will introduce who is actually there and who is going to get the biggest ovation. He was a six-time NBA champion. This is going to be a shame. Two-time NBA Executive of the Year, represented by his wife, Thelma, Basketball Hall of Famer and former Bulls General Manager, Jerry Krause. What we witnessed today, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I hurt for that lady, brought her to tears. That's not Chicago, that's New York, Philly. Chicago's not like that. We don't have a reputation of being that way. And that was really classic. And I'm, I was disappointed in the people that moved. It was a sad thing. Devastated for Thelma and for the Krause family. What can we possibly be thinking? Absolutely shameful, and I, I'm devastated by that. What is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. You, you boo me? You hiss? You boo puppets? You hiss villains in silent movies? Oh, come on. I thought you are a pro. That's part of the show. No. Not part of the show. One, two, three. And here we go, Tim. Here we go. Here we go, Tim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Seinfeld reference. Hi, Speaks. You think we can handle this until Bills and Steelers? I Now I do. Now I do. Now that I turn my microphone back on, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I almost, I almost blew it. I almost blew this rocking sound. I was like, oh my god, what happened? <laughs> no, the answer is no. I don't think we can handle it. I don't uh, think we can do this. I used but to no, think I, we could do it. I, I, I think, I think we can. There's, a, there's a hell of a lot going on, man. Friday was such a crazy opportunity for the, the ceremonial double of going to the Cub convention and maybe watching the introductions and seeing the Cubs Hall of Famers announced and then make your way to the United Center and see the Ring of Honor thing. No Sammy Sosa at the Cubs thing. No Michael and no Scotty at the Bulls thing. And then the uh, the empathy afterwards for Thelma Krause is what has stolen the show and the story. I got to be honest, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, because I didn't think that they would be so short-sighted to not see it coming. Like, if I would have seen a rundown of how they were going to plan out the event, I would have been able to spot that pothole that they that they put into the entire operation. Like, I yeah, feel- yeah, if, if you watch the whole thing, Danny, yeah, to your point, like, they show the person being honored. And first it was Artis Gilmore, and then there was yeah. Red Kerr. And they would talk, Johnny, Johnny Red Kerr, Neil Funk talked about Johnny Red Kerr, and then said, represented by his son, Matt, let's give it up for Johnny Red Kerr. So Among it's yesterday's like- attendees at the wake, all the children of Johnny Red Kerr who will be buried on Thursday. It was just like, I, it's a big funeral. I got to say, like, because I don't want to say that they didn't put any planning and any thought into it because they very clearly did. I mean, Barack Obama wrote a letter about Michael Jordan. Eddie Vedder wrote one about Dennis Rodman. Magic Johnson about Scottie Pippen. Like, they, they put a lot of thought into it. They just, 
I can't believe they missed it, man. Like, I feel awful for Thelma Krause, obviously. But that whole thing was so avoidable. Like, if you know it's going to rain and you don't want to get wet, bring an umbrella. We know that Jerry Krause is going to get booed, right? We know the mention of Jerry Krause is going to elicit foods. If I would have said to you Friday morning, they're going to put Jerry Krause's name and face on the Jumbotron Mm -hmm. and say the name Jerry Krause in front of 20,000 people on a Friday night at 9 p.m., do you think some people will loudly boo him? What would you have said? Uh, I would have said yes, because it, it, it is widely thought that Jerry and Jerry pushed the dynasty out the door. And, of course, the last dance, the last dance being done by in Michael Jordan's production vision cemented that. And, and most people know Krause said that their time with Phil had come to an end because Phil wanted to be the boss and that wasn't going to happen. Michael said he wasn't going to play for anybody except Phil. And Jerry said, we'd still like to have Michael, but if he doesn't want to play for, for anybody but Phil, then that's up for him and, and, and all of that. But, I, I mean, yes, I, I think I would have thought that, that some people would boo. I think there's also the hope that, you know, uh, that, that some people have, you know, been educated enough to a point where he's no longer villainized the way that he used to be. But hope isn't a plan, man. Like, like, I'm not saying he should be booed after he's been dead for seven years. I'm not saying he should have been booed necessarily when he was alive. But Jerry Krause got booed. That's what it was. Jerry Krause got booed at ring ceremonies celebrating championships. He got, cel- he got booed at championship parades. He got booed at the 20-year anniversary of the 1991 championship so well after mm-hmm. you know everything had ended and that's just what happens and Stacy King who I love being like that's not what Chicagoans do no that's what Chicagoans did to Jerry Krause Bill Wirtz got booed when Dale Talon was giving his eulogy right after he died by Chicago fans the villain gets booed, man. And you could say he should not have been the, the villain. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that he his legacy in this town is Bill Wirtz's or Roger Goodell's, you know, people that always get booed in sports. But, like, a, a lot, Chicago, a lot of people, Chicago fans boo Jerry Krause. That's how it's always been. In a, um, I thought Mike McGraw on the Daily Herald did a nice job of going back to an old interview he did in the year 2000. In the year 2000? With Thelma Krause, where she described what it was like when during a Michael Jordan tribute event in 1994, Jerry was booed. And Thelma said, I just lost it. I was sobbing uncontrollably, so embarrassing and humiliating. It was such a major disappointment. Salute. After the three championships, I just felt like Jerry deserved more. So that's 1994. And, you know, as everyone in town was calling him crumbs, and when Terry Boers would spill soup on himself by accident lunch, and he would say, oh, I crossed myself. You know, it's like this. It became obviously a massive thing that is very difficult to stem the tide of. So, yes, the Bulls should have known and warned Thelma of this. Maybe she knew that it was coming and still was hoping that it wouldn't. That hoping that by now, after a a nice memoir co-written with Casey Johnson, all these things that maybe fans would have evolved to a point where he wouldn't get booed as the villain. But here we are. I just I just think that ignores reality and 
mob mentality at sporting events, the anonymity that being in a crowd provides, the fact that a large percentage of sports fans are Neanderthals. So when you're doing event planning for Neanderthals, you got to factor in the Neanderthal factor. Hmm. Like there's 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 nothing <laughs> there's nothing to suggest that people should be shocked that Jerry Krause would be booed. I know the event was going very well. I know the vibes were very good and then it turned on a dime and that was shocking to some people in attendance. But well, let me ask you this. Let me can you can you discern for me whether you so clearly you have an issue with people being shocked. How about people saying it was shameful? Because I know there I guess there was some shock, but like everybody's saying, "Oh yeah, that sucked." Like Popovich the next night saying, "It's just like I was telling the Spurs fans not to boo Kawhi a, a couple of months earlier or Steve Kerr saying after the game, yeah, I thought that was shameful. So do you disagree that it was shameful? I think that it's just how sports fans are and I can't change that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And do I wish that it was purely civil at all times? Yeah, but I'm also the guy that says less hate in the world and more hate in sports. And so this is a little bit of a byproduct of it. It is a natural human emotion, and it is going to get channeled in that way. And this is some of the ugliest parts of that. And so I'm not saying he deserved to be booed. And I would not have booed him if I was there. And I completely understand, hey, this guy who booed a dead person, what are you doing? Shameful, classless, all of that stuff. That's fine. But I'm not going to pretend Mm -hmm. like that isn't who we talk to, that that isn't who listens to the show, who buys the tickets, who buys the jerseys, who's on the Internet. You know what I mean? And so I just I can't if we didn't call them classless when they booed him in 2011 at the anniversary of the 1991 team, like Michael Jordan said all of those things about him in the last dance after he was dead, as did Scottie Pippen as did Phil Jackson, you know, it was it was just these very influential people, and I'm talking about influential people over Bulls fans, made Jerry Krause out to be the villain. And maybe, by the way, hmm. this will be some sort of watershed moment that leads to a reckoning and a conversation about changing what Jerry Krause's legacy should be, and that would be in part nice and in part sad because it would be after he's gone well well, but that conversation has been going on and i mentioned kc's memoir and he would uh which was great and would release these like snippets of it and these excerpts of it and kind of share it and try to start the conversation and and there and there would be some of it because now we're wise enough to have seen the end of so many dynasties and so many times that teams either wait too long or let it decay or like have it fall apart in ugly ways that we know there's some nuance to the decisions, you know, there, there's some nuance to the way that it can that that it can fall apart and there can be tough decisions. But, man, it, it, it's it's just tough. I think if it, if I were the Bulls, if I were the 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 new Bulls PR structure, I would have a given Thelma the option to not come um, or, you know, warned Thelma so she was aware of it. And B, certainly started uh, Neil Funk's script with Thelma Krause is here in honor of her late husband, Jerry. And it is a pleasure to induct Jerry. Like, to, to word it that way, where the script and just starts. just show her. Yeah, and lead, me, and lead, lead with her. Lead with her and show her 
so fans are given the opportunity to realize I could boo a widow or I could just put it back in my pants for these 30 seconds. That, that, that's what bothered me. The characterization of people being shocked that he would be booed, which we heard from Stacey King there. Like, this is not what Chicagoans do. No, it absolutely is. It's what sports fans do, and it's what Chicago fans have done to Jerry Krause for 40 years. And the lack of planning, like the lack of foresight to know that this is your audience, these are your customers, this uh-huh. is how they're going to behave. So to put his name and his image up there for seven seconds before you show her was setting that poor woman up to fail. And I felt terrible for her, obviously. And Bulls fans, by the way, according to many people in the media and fans that I talked to over the weekend who were there and that you could hear in the video, as soon as they saw her, yeah. the boos subsided and the cheers increased. They were not booing a widow. They were booing someone who they've booed for 40 years. Now, How dare you love that man? Like, How dare you yeah, like, live a, a wonderful, happy life and be sad your husband's gone? No, yeah, that's not what was happening. That was not what was uh, happening. Now, they did make a widow cry, which is terrible. They really did. It was just terrible. But I thought uh, Will Perdue, How was your weekend? Well, I made a widow cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah not great. Not a good feeling. Will Will Perdue was on with Gabe and Marshall this morning, and I thought that he very honestly dealt with his own feeling of it and the timeline of events and how it evolved. Initially, I was stunned, but then I got mad at myself because I was like, why are you surprised? Exactly. Because, unfortunately, they've always booed Jerry Krause. That is the essence of what I was saying right after it like i wasn't watching it live Uh someone texted me and said oh my god the bulls booed krauss's widow that's how i found out about it and i was like what (laughs) they booed his widow like i'm just doing stuff on a friday night like i'll watch it on dvr before monday's show i pull up the clip and that's not what happened well that's the (laughs) way that's the way it gets ingested on on it's the way it gets ingested live the first time, and certainly on the back end. The back end, once it becomes a storyline. What's interesting now is if you go to YouTube and you watch the what twelve thirteen minute version of the entire ceremony, um, some some excellent audio editing <laughs> has been done where the boo is the boos are very very much minimized. Tanner and they're freelancing for the bulls. And there is no shot. There is no video shot of a crying Thelma. In, in that moment, there's just uh, there's something Good. a bit a bit more generic in that spot. So it lives in posterity um, w- without that. And some textures are saying that that if you were at the game, there was a spotlight on her and the whole stadium knew that she was present. I, I, I have to defend some Bulls fans at that point because they're not looking down at the, the 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 not everybody's looking down at the floor, nor can everybody understand what they're looking at on the floor or see the order of things. You're looking up at the screen. A lot of times when you're at a game with a beverage in your hand, you're looking up at the screen. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not even going to pretend that in your scenario of show her first and then do it later that nobody would have booed him because some sports fans are just pure Neanderthals and would have done it anyway. But it, it, would, but have it would have been better, would have given people a chance to show their the best of their human side. But 
much, 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 much better. Now this is all this is all going to be in my upcoming documentary, The Last Dunce. But like, here's the way I feel about it. Thanks for that, Speaks. Um, you got it. Thank yeah. you for not not derailing me when I spit it out. But I want to make sure we circled back to it. But how how about unless they're a war criminal, don't boo dead people. That's all. Just you know, whether you see the woman or not. Good lord, people. Yeah. No, no. That's the thing. Like at this that's point, reasonable, but not it, not how it works. And like, even if gone. they are a war criminal, like when George Bush dies, George W. Bush dies eventually. I don't want to boo him. I, Make sure you put those paintings criminal. up first. Yeah, put, put the paintings of the right. dogs up first. Shane, George Bush, okay, I, I see, but Hitler always booed, right? It, it, we can agree on that? Dude, the Hitler narrative on this show is a your thing. Don't rope us into it. Don't, don't do that. I'm just hoping Frank Reich becomes the offensive coordinator. I really am. Yeah, don't His third time. Dead. Don't boo the dead is a totally reasonable stance to have. It's just not, in my opinion, a reasonable expectation to have of twenty thousand sports fans on a Friday night when they've been uh, booing the guy for forty years. I, I would, I really would like to think that we are capable of some perspective. I too much effing perspective that we're capable of it at this point. But just showing Krause's face on the screen first is 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 asking for trouble in in a lot of ways. All conversational roads of the playoffs led back to the Bears and their upcoming decision at quarterback, which I think got even easier today with Caleb Williams declaring for the draft oh. and say, and Ian Rappaport saying that he is looking forward to going to whoever selects him. Jordan Love, Tua, Dak, Stroud, all instructional points. Next on the score. Designated Hitler. Excuse me, designated hitter looking to get aboard. Sorry about that, folks. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. The brand has taken on a large amount of, of challenges. Afternoons on the score. On the fake, Love zips it in there. It's caught for the touchdown, Romeo Dobbs. And the route is on in Dallas. This guy finished with the highest QB rating <laughs> in Packer history at one minute. I think sucks is back on the table for Jordan Love. You sure about that? You sure about that? Nope. Nope. No. In, in fact, sucks is uh, off the table, Speaks. How about a top 10 quarterback entering 2024 regular season? That on the table for you? That's a perfect quarterback rating on the road against a team that hadn't lost there in two seasons. And Dan Quinn, a legit defensive coordinator with some questionable strategy, perhaps. But you can't just mitigate that performance with, well, he's got all the time in the world, or Matt Eberflus is an idiot the way it was mitigated the week before by some people. That was remarkable stuff. No, and, I mean, Romeo Dobbs, mid-round pick. You know, like it's not like it's a super team. It's not like they're they had no pro bowlers. Uh, they're the youngest offense in the NFL. So it is a rebuilding year, and he does that in his first full year starting. He's the best quarterback statistically in the NFL since week 11. Uh, advanced metrics, total touchdowns, touchdown to interception ratio, all of it. So it is very, very, very concerning how good he's been. And he looks like Rodgers. I don't think he's going to win four MVPs, but the play fakes look like Rodgers. How he bounces on his feet in the pocket looks like Rodgers. He holds the ball low and has the quick rocket release like Rodgers. I mean, it is eerie 
how similar the two of those guys look. It sucks. I, I, I actually thought last night as I watched Matthew Stafford, and there was a moment where Chris Collinsworth said, there's another one of those off-platform, strange-platform throws for Stafford, who has been doing it for a long time, that Love looked a little like Stafford at times in the ability to just let it fly from wherever the arm angle happens to be and whatever makes sense to do so. And it comes out so damn quickly and with so much juice on it. Man, I, I feel like I feel like we have to um, hold strong. And, and I mean, anybody really watching quarterback play and dissecting it week after week, the way that we have with Mitch and with Fields and with everybody, there's there's so much context that makes the NFL hard to to talk about and makes quarterback play hard to feel definitively strong about or whatever. But man, when you're watching somebody who processes and you see his head bounce around and you see him go to all these different receivers, whoever happens to be open, and you're seeing somebody with that quick release, that quick trigger accuracy with different levels of touch and different arcs of the ball, you know what it freaking looks like when somebody gets it on on the level that Jordan Love does, and that dude gets it. Whether he would have gotten it like this if he played two years ago, I don't know. And maybe it's their player development model or whatever it is that has gotten him there. But that looks like a dude who gets it. And, oh, by the way, the tools are now merging with this understanding, and he looks unbelievable, and it's undeniable. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that you – you have to have a consistent body of work that has a larger sample to truly become elite. I mean, Carson Wentz was going to be the MVP of the league through 13 weeks. Then he got hurt. Then his team went on and won a Super Bowl. And then Carson Wentz hasn't been anything good ever since, right? So now you could say that that's injury and that the team around him was very good and was propping him up. I don't think that's what's going on with Jordan Love. I think he is elevating that team. I think C.J. Stroud is elevating that team. We have seen one-hit wonders before. I don't think that's what C.J. Stroud is. I don't think that's what Jordan Love is. And I know that there is – it's very popular to say, oh, it's reductive to say it's just about quarterback play and you got to build in the trenches and defense and the running game. And Yeah, Louis Louis Riddick came after that thought process yesterday. Yeah, I I know. And I'm not saying – that that stuff doesn't matter. It of course does, but the but it's it's a pie, and the quarterback is the biggest part of the pie. And while a good defense can prop up a mediocre quarterback, not as much as a great quarterback can prop up a mediocre defense. The quarterback can help all the other elements of the football team more than any one element can prop up a quarterback. You know and, it. it it, it, it's a worthwhile analogy to, to to fulfill, and we can do that with our guy, our analogy king, Shane Reardon, or we can do it on, on any number of days in the offseason. But, like, I saw somebody say, no, the quarterback is the queen on the chessboard. You can still win when the queen isn't dominant and is a part of things, but it's way more powerful than everybody. I think that undersells the quarterback. I think it's more than that. You know, and I love playing chess. And there, there are games where the queen doesn't get involved, but the threat of the queen is always something. But, you know, what, what percentage it is, 
how big of the factor it is. It's more than just the queen on the chessboard, but it's less than 95%. It, I don't believe it's 95%. I don't, I, yeah, I never said 95%, right? Like I, I just, it's just, I don't, Nico, they didn't have Tank Dell in Houston. So Nico Collins was the man. Yeah. You know? And it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. It was to- no one would say, like we've had to say about Fields, Oh, well, but the, but, the, but the play caller and the center and the number two receiver. and the, hmm. They have those questions in Green Bay. Yeah, but the play caller is really good. Play caller is really good. They don't have that question in Green Bay. They don't I'm have that they have question. Que- they have questions in Green Bay. And they, I, and I, they have I, questions I, around Jordan Love. Youth, inexperience, uh, uh, offensive line injuries. They, they have offensive questions in Green Bay, just like they have offensive questions in Houston. And mm-hmm. the quarterback has largely erased those questions. So, I, I, you know, leaning towards, for the sake of conversation, your definition of how important the quarterback is, as opposed to, say, Lewis Riddick's or whatever. Sure. Da- Dak Prescott is going to make $60 million against the cap next year. $59.4 million. Yep. Tua, Tua Tungavailoa is now going into year five. Dolphins have to decide whether to pay him right now or not. And both of those teams are are in the playoffs, but bounced after week one. Man, Tua, that offense has been brutal against playoff teams. That offense is one in six against playoff teams with like uh, uh, almost 200 yards less than they had against everybody else. And it's only scoring 22 points per game. Do you pay Tua? And the Cowboys now 12 win teams three years in a row, but one and done uh, again. It's like... You can reach quarterback hell and still be pretty damn good, but feel like the quarterback might not be enough if we're defining it that way. You don't want to pay good like it's great long term. But if you don't have an option to move off of good for the chance at an upgrade at a cheaper rate, you can overpay in the short term, which is what I would do in both of those situations. I don't think you need to give Dak a five-year, $340 million contract. He's under contract for next year, and then you could franchise tag him if you want to until you find a path to better. Similar situation with Tua. I don't um, think they can franchise him for whatever reason. I was reading that today, but it doesn't oh, he matter. Already has, okay, he already has gone through that. That's right. So, but, it, it doesn't but, matter. With Tua, you I, could. I understand your point. With, 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 Tua, you with, could. with Tua, you could. With Tua, yeah. They'd be crazy to give Tua the going-rate quarterback deal like Jalen Hurts just got. They'd be crazy to do that right now. After what you just saw him do in less than uh, optimal weather conditions. Uh, really busy. we got to get to a ton of stuff from the Cubs and the baseball weekend, more playoff football uh, reaction, Caleb Williams declaring for the draft. And we have two more playoff games today and a Bulls game tonight to discuss. Thank you to uh, Shane Reardon, our executive producer. Thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill making us sound better than we are each and every day all of you booing us on the text line and twitter we appreciate you for matt spiegel i'm danny parkins the scores westwood one coverage of the nfl playoffs bills and steelers follows us this is parkins and spiegel on the score